You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. With God. How many people, how many people felt something when they did that? Even if you didn't feel anything, I want you to know that it is recorded for eternity. This is what you have entered into with God. And guess what? Your children are part of that. Your descendants are part of that. That means Satan cannot have them. Do you understand me? Satan cannot have them. Whether it's biological or adopted, so far as they're yours legally, they are hooked in. So, I think I'll make that copy available to you so that you keep it for your records. How about that? (laughs) Free of charge. No copyright. Hallelujah. I'll make it available to you so that you can keep it and say this on this day I entered into this covenant with the Lord and the time will come that the enemy will try to raise his ugly head you bring it out and say on this day this is the covenant agreement that I entered into and we can fight by covenant amen so Since we have entered into a love covenant with God, it's important for us to know what it entails. Because it it crossed my mind that many people might have different ideas of what we're talking about. So it's important to establish what we're talking about by Scripture. Okay? By Scripture so that you know and you understand what you have entered into. Alright? Why? It would help you to also know how to regulate your life. Alright? How many people want that? Yes. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you to understand what we have entered into. Alright? So that as you walk with God, you are not just being religious. But it is a real relationship with God. Hallelujah. And also you need to know what it entails. So because of that, I'm going to start with you on what I call undivided love for God. All right? Let's, Let's open our Bibles... To the book of Deuteronomy. We've read this for some time. And we will read it. We will not be tired of it. In case you don't know. When you get to heaven. You'll still meet the word of God there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah because it's settled forever. Where? In heaven. (laughs) 
Yes. So when you get to heaven, you will meet the word there. You might as well fall in love with it here. And apart from that, the Bible is God's love letter to you. So if you are in the covenant of love, you need to love his word. Okay? Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's read verse 19. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. All right? Choose what? Life, that both you and your descendants may live may live. It's interesting that the choices you make can affect your descendants. It's interesting. Some people don't realize the impact their choices have on their descendants. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death. Okay? God is saying, I'm setting them. You make the choice. Alright? There is life. There is death. There is blessing and there is curse. Alright? But he says, my recommendation is that you choose life. Alright? God will never force life on anyone. God will never force blessing on anyone. But he has said, you choose. You choose. And unfortunately, many Christians have chosen wrongly. I wish I could say every Christian is smart enough to choose life. And to choose blessing. But not everyone does. But he says, the reason I'm saying you should choose life is that both you and your descendants may live. Okay? Then the next verse. Let's look at the next verse. The next verse he says, in verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God. Alright? That you may love the Lord your God. That you may obey His what? Voice. And that you may cling to Him. Yes? For He is your life. And the length of your days. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. To Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them. This statement is loaded. You can see that. He says choose life. I call heaven 
and earth to record. Let it be recorded in heaven. The whole of heaven, watch and see. And earth, watch and see. Now, I have given people the option. Everyone can choose. Do you know that nobody went to hell without choosing it? Yeah, I'm telling you. Everybody in hell is there because of choice. Just like everybody in heaven is there because of choice. So when you choose life, when you choose Jesus, you're choosing life. Am I correct? When you reject Jesus, you have chosen hell. You have chosen death. So don't just say, what will be, will be. Cursed I don't like that statement. It's not biblical. Or if it's God's will, it will happen. Where did you? What scripture is that? What scripture is that? It is not His will that any man should perish. Okay? It is not His will that any man should perish. Now, if it is not His will for any man to perish, why are people perishing? Choices. That is one freedom that God will never take away from any human being. The freedom to choose. He will never take that. You choose how you want to live. He will not take that away from you. You choose how close you want to be with Him. He will never take that away from you. He will never take that away from you. But let me tell you this. Never forget. Although you have the freedom to choose, you are a slave to your choice. Did you get that? Once you have chosen, that choice takes over your life. And that's why you must be smart. Young people, you better be smart, I'm telling you. If you make dumb choices, you will live with the consequences. Nobody can take the power of choice from you. But let me tell you, you cannot run away from the consequences of your choice. Amen? Is it clear? Yeah. Very clear. And that's how, that's how God works. So he says, I place before you life and death. Blessing and curses. Choose. Choose. But, hey, understand this. That you may love the Lord, your God. Huh? Choose to love God. We, we, we chose to, to, to enter a covenant with God. Just to say, God, we're serious about living for you. Okay? We're serious. This is for real. 
And we are also serious that our descendants must serve God. Yeah. If idol worshippers can covenant their descendants to their idols, how much more those that serve the living God Some people will, have you not seen people who, maybe they've gone to varsity, they have, they have studied, they, have, they are working, they good, got a good corporate job, then they just get up one day and say, I have a calling. Yes? They say, I have a calling. My ancestors are calling me. Haven't you seen it? Yeah. I have a calling. And they will leave everything. They leave everything to go and serve their ancestors. They have a calling. How? Their forefathers entered a covenant. Do you understand me? Their forefathers entered a covenant with the enemy. So it doesn't matter how far they can become professors. The day that spirit says, this covenant needs to be honored. There will be no peace for them. And that's how that spirit is going to drag them into whatever that covenant entails. Are you getting me? And then you just look at it from the surface and just say, oh, can you imagine? This is my friend. No, no, no. There is a foundation. There is a strong covenant. And unless it is broken, that person cannot escape. I'm telling you. No matter what they do, they, they, they will not have peace. And then after you talk to them, they say, ah, since I did this, my life is now fine. I'm now at peace. Why? Because he's got them. By virtue of the choices that were made by their forefathers. Amazing. But it's real. It's not difficult for us to understand that. Correct? Because we see it all the time. Now, there are I mean, I titled this Undivided Love for a reason. Okay? Because our love for him must not be split. You can, if you split your love for him, he's not going to accept it. So you cannot love God a little bit <laughs> and then you love the world a little bit. You get my point? It's, it's not, it's not going to happen. Or you love God a little bit, then you love mammon a little bit. It's, it's not going to happen. God will say, I'd rather mammon has you. I'd rather the world has you. But this thing, huh? I can't. We can't divide. It, it has to be whole. Huh? How many people are married here? You're married. Lift up your hands. Let's see. Okay. All right. How would you like to divide, to share? 
Huh? I said, love is sharing. How many people have heard that? Love is sharing. Come on. Huh? Huh? Caring. Caring is sharing. All right. Okay. Whatever. So, would you like to share your husband? Not. Absolutely not. Is it absolute, absolute? Okay, maybe you are too hard. You are too hard. Too Christian. Okay. I'm, I'm sure you don't mind, right? You don't mind sharing your beautiful wife? You are too Christian. Okay, what about, what about, okay. Now, you have 100%, right? Just 1% for somebody else. You, you mean you cannot even... Just 1%. Not for not, not <laughs> Can you see? Now, we don't want to do that. But we expect God to do that. Come on. It must be undivided. Or else it's not love. Yeah, that's why he calls himself a jealous God. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. (laughs) He's jealous. So, and don't think that the jealousy of God is like your jealousy. (laughs) Because your jealousy is imperfect. Your jealousy has been tainted with sin. But his jealousy is righteous. His jealousy is holy. And his jealousy is perfect. So it's not the same. Amen? Amen. Our love for God must be undivided. Must be undivided. One of the things I pray for myself a lot of times is, Lord, anything that competes with you in my heart, I command to die. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. It must die. It should not survive. Nothing else should live. Nothing else. It must be undivided. All or nothing. All or nothing. Amen? Why? Didn't he give us his all? His only begotten son. The only one he had. He gave. And all he's asking is for our heart and our love for him. That's all he's asking. He's not even asking for anything else. So, you need to make a commitment in your life to always love God undividedly. Amen? Amen. When you've noticed something else creeping in, you need to do something about it. Because from time to time, things will try to creep in. And I'll show you how. 
Now try to creep in. You need to cut that thing off quickly. Amen? Yeah. Because it's also the same. You, you're married, then you, you, something begins to creep in. Try to creep in. Or somebody wants to get into that space. You, you can't just have a let's say fair attitude. Huh? Where, uh, you know, what will be, will be. Come on. You don't do that. Huh? You, you can't. You have to do something about it. Okay? So in our relationship with God, it has to be like that as well. We need to have that same kind of approach. There are some people you will have to delete from your phone. Am I correct? Because you discover that this person is not okay. He's not going to help my relationship with my spouse. Then what do you do? Delete. And block. And unfriend. Come on. Yeah. There are people I have unfriended. Yeah. I have to unfriend them. Why? Because I noticed some vibes that are not okay coming from that angle. Come on. Yeah. And I'm not going to be oblivious and then, you know, be foolish enough to think I'm strong enough to manage that vibe. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't trust myself enough to manage that vibe. So I unfriend that one. Hallelujah. Jesus said, if your eye will cause you to stumble, pluck it out. There is what I call the principle of amputation in relationships. Are you following me? Yeah. So when I notice that this one is toxic and this one is going to poison the rest of the body, listen, even the doctors will tell you. Yeah. When gangrene gets in and is spreading, what do they do? They amputate. Why? It's better to do without that leg than to do without life. Life is more than that leg. So Jesus teaches us the same principle that in life, in your walk with God, when you see something that is trying to take you away from the path of life, it's better to cut it off. Say cut off. You cannot be too nice to cut off. Hello. You cannot be too nice to cut off. Because your life is more important. Than that funny feeling. Hallelujah. We need to wise up. Amen. Wise up. Touch your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. (laughs) 
Your love cannot be divided. It is not permitted. God is not nice enough to, to share you. Are you hearing me? He is not nice enough to share you with anyone. He wants you all for himself. I'm sure it's clear. Now, let's look at some more scriptures. Um, and I'm just laying a foundation, really. Because I believe that what we have started is far more important than we think. Do you understand me? Yeah. And it's going to lead to some serious benefits in your life that you have no idea. Because there are things that God is going to begin to do in our lives that will shock us. Yeah. He will do some things just because of the love relationship you guys have. Now, he has loved you already. Make no mistake about that. But because of your love for him, there are things he will begin to do in your life. Especially when you begin to protect your love for him. When you protect your love for him more than anything else. He's going to honor that. He will value that. There are many, I mean, the whole world has been loved by God. And he cannot... Like uh, truly said, he cannot unlove. He cannot unlove anyone. Okay? He never will. But he expects us to take steps towards him. To begin to shower him with our love. No matter how far back you are. No matter how um, weak you feel. No matter how little you think your love is for him. Start from there. Okay? And commit to this love walk. And I have news for you. When God sees how serious you are, there are things that will open up in your life. Okay? Luke chapter 10. Verse 25, it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Then he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? I like Jesus. He points to the word. And he knows. He knows what this guy really wants. And the man answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. Question. This man came to ask, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Do you understand? Jesus didn't even say, uh, receive me. 
Did you notice that? Yeah. Jesus, what, what kind of gospel are you preaching? I mean, you, you are the greatest evangelist. This is a time for an altar call. You just miss an altar call moment. But instead of pointing to himself, he pointed to the word. Amen? He pointed to the word. He says, what is written in the law? Hmm? Let's go back. Let's go back. What is written? And verse 27, come on. He says, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? In other words, what do you make of it? What do you make of what is written? How do you summarize what is written? How do you summarize the law? Okay? Remember, Galatians tell us, tells us that the law was given as a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Alright? So, what is... He's a tutor. The law was given as a tutor. The law is not the means of salvation. But it points man to his need of a savior. Why? Because man on his own cannot keep the law. So when he comes to Jesus, Jesus points it back to the law. Why? Because if he follows the law, he will be able to discover Jesus. It's not because Jesus is exalting the law per se. But he's trying to teach him something. Okay? What do you make of it? And then the man answered correctly. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This guy was spot on. His summary, his assessment, his conclusion, and his reading of the law was accurate. And Jesus commended him for that. Now, do you think that has changed today? Are we excused from loving God? Are we excused from loving our neighbor? Why not? Why? Because that's the way to life. To life. So you can be religious and not love God. It's easier to be religious than to love. Do you know that? It's easier to have a form of godliness than to really love. I'm telling you, it's easier. If you've tried both, you know what I'm talking about. It's easier. So, if we are to love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, you notice that he, the emphasis there, if you look at that, the emphasis, there's one word that keeps appearing. And what is that? All. All that's right. Undivided. Yeah. Complete. Amen. With all your heart. With all your soul. Not part of your soul. All your soul. God wants it all. All your strength. Even your physical being must love God. Alright? Your physical being must love God. So some people's love for God, it says, you love the Lord with all your heart. That's with your entire 
emotions. All right? Everything. Oh, well, you know, all this emotionalism, I don't like it and all of that. It's part of loving God. It's part of loving God. You need to love Him with your emotions. Are you hearing me? And then it says, not only that, you need to love Him with your soul. Right? Yes, your soul, that part of you that makes you self-conscious. That's the part of you that makes you conscious of who you are. You need to love Him with that. All of it. He wants it all. Right? With all your strength, that's your physical being. Alright? So when you see somebody dancing and jumping and shouting and screaming, it's all part of loving God. So, love God with your strength. What do you use to dance? Come on. Your strength, yes. So, when you do it in love, it's accepted. Okay? So, when you volunteer and you are serving and you are doing all those things in the house of God or for God, what are you using to do that? Strength is part of loving God. It's part of loving God. Are you following me? So, when you do it, let it be motivated by love. Don't do it to please anybody. Do it because you love it. Your energy, your... I know there are some people here, they, they sacrifice a lot. I mean, you, when, is your, when your tribe is on duty, it takes so much, right? You have to go the extra mile. And you, 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 you don't do that complaining. If you do that complaining, you've missed the plot. You've missed it completely. There are some, there are some times that it will be easier than other times. But when it's difficult, what do you do? You let the love of Christ, let the love that you have for God stir you up to go the extra mile. Hallelujah. To go the extra mile. Oh, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that, and I'm so tired. And when you think about your love for Him, and you say, because I love God, although I feel tired, I'll still do it. Because I love God. Do you know that that is great before the Lord? I'm telling you, it's of great value. There is more reward for people who do things out of love, despite inconvenience, than people who do things out of love, inconvenience. When it is convenient, anybody can do anything. So, when it is not convenient and you do it, that becomes a sacrifice of love. And it means more. It weighs more in the spirit. It weighs more in God's scheme of things. I'm telling you. you say, oh, pastor, are we now going into works? <laughs> Listen, you, 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 you don't even understand what you are saying. Works that are motivated by love are of great value before God. What is valueless is when the works are not motivated by love. He says, if I give my body.
body to be burned and have not love. Are you getting me? Now, if you do it with love, it means it's of value. But if you do it without love, it means it's of no value. Are you getting the point? So, love, your love must be undivided. Must be undivided. Use your strength. And guess what? He says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. That means even your intellect. Oh, pastor, I'm not emotional, but I'm just an intellectual. It's, love him with that. Amen? Yeah, it's okay. Love him with that. But don't go against the person that is loving God with his strength. Because you prefer to love him with your mind. Does that make sense? Alright. So, listen. This applies to everyone. This applies to everyone. And guess what? When you stand before God and you are going to be judged, this is the standard. That will be used to judge you. So, if you only come to church when you feel like it. Hello? Yeah. You only come to church when you feel like it. You decide. You determine where that fits in all of this. Whether you're loving him with your what? I don't know. But you, from what I've explained, (laughs) you assess yourself. Assess what you are doing. Listen, we've entered into a love covenant with God and it has to be real. It has to impact on everything we do. Alright? It has to impact on everything we do. So, it's important. Love. It's time to love him more. It's interesting that the Greek word, the Greek um, word or the verb for love in the Greek is agapao. Okay? So agapao has to do, it's from agape. All right? I know some, you know agape. Now agape is, is, is like, it's God's unconditional love. Now agapao is what we do. Right? With that love. And the interesting thing, I was looking at different ways that this applies. And I got a lot of insight just looking at that. To help us to know that, okay, if we are loving God, if we, since we've entered into a love covenant, it's good to know how to agapow. Hallelujah. That's my pronunciation, so... (laughs) Yeah. So, we need to know how. What does that mean? Agapao has to do with with loving, right? In spite of how you feel. So, it's an interesting word. 
if you go into the Greek and you study that word, you'll be amazed. It is a love that is not based on emotion. It's a love that is based on choice. And it is, it is not, it's, 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 in fact, let me put it this way. It's an act of love that is based on choice. So it's an action, it's a verb. So a verb is an action word. Correct? Yeah. So it's an action word that is not determined by how you feel. But it's determined by what you choose to do. So when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, it has nothing to do with how you feel. Just give him your heart. Amen? So, in fact, it is so important that it, it's, it determines, it's, it's, it's not even determined by how the person, the recipient of love, of that love, on, on the disposition of that person. It's not, it doesn't depend on that. So, you don't love somebody because he's grateful. That's just what I'm trying to say. So, the person might not even deserve it. But because you have chosen, your choice is superior to the person's disposition. That's like a power for you. And that's why it helps for us to study the words sometimes. Then you are able to see the richness of what the Bible is saying. Amen? Amen? So now, that brings me, I, I wrote down some questions that will help to throw light on, on this uh, concept. I just like, Lord, okay, how do we articulate this in a way that it would shed much light so that we all understand? So I came up with some questions that I wrote down. Number one is the question of position. Right? The question of position, how does that apply to God? The question is, where is God? What position does he occupy in your life? What position does he occupy in your life? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Let's put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians... No, no, no. 21, 21. 31, sorry. 31, 31. Okay. God bless you. It says, therefore, whether you eat or drink... Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, God wants to be at the center of everything you do. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, He wants to be in the center of it. It's a question of position. 
Do you love him enough to put him at the center of everything you do? Do you love him enough to say, God, you know we sing that song, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Do you really mean it when you sing it? Is he at the center of it all? Or are you the one at the center of it? On Sundays, he's at the center of it, right? During worship, when you feel the keyboard, and if you're like me, I hear the trumpet. The trumpet triggers something in me. When I hear the sax, oh my goodness. Jesus is at the center. Huh? When I hear Zenzele, Jesus. You are the center of it all. Or sometimes when I hear the violin, Jesus, you are the center. But then when we walk out of this place, you take your center position. (laughs) Come on. So, do you love him enough? Is your love for him so undivided that he takes center position in your life? That's what this love covenant is about. Do you, do you want to change your mind? And say, oh no, this covenant, I, I don't think I want it anymore. <laughs> I didn't know it was like this. <laughs> the benefits are out of this world. Okay? Yes. So it's a question of position. It's a question of position. Now the next question is a question of surrender. Yeah, it's a question of surrender. We're saying we love God. It's a question of surrender. It's a question of surrender. Do you love Him enough to surrender to Him? Because agapao actually also means... Giving yourself completely to something or someone. So, that means if you really love him, you give yourself to him without reservation. Is your surrender partial or total? I love him on Sundays. I love him on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Mondays, mm, you know, not very good days. So, um, yeah, not very popular. So, it was not a spiritual day. So, you know. (laughs) Huh? Or, I love him in church. I, I surrender all to Jesus. Ah, surrender. Huh? Come on. You sing it emotionally. And it's okay to be emotional. But is it real? Is it real? Or is it a Sunday surrender? Lord, Sundays, 100%. 
I surrender 100% to you on Sundays. Oh. Ha. He wants it all. Amen? He wants it all. It's a question of surrender. Love is about surrender. Huh? You remember when you got married? You remember those vows? Did you surrender? You did. <laughs> yes. Yes, you said it, right? It's about surrender. Huh? You gave yourself to the lover of your life. <laughs> yes. That's it. Why should loving God be less? Why? Why should it be less? You give him your all. Unreservedly. Completely. Take my life. And let it be. Consecrated. To you. It's complete. That's real love. That's agapao. Okay? Can you do that? Is it too much? Is this, is this God asking for too much from you? Huh? Is it demanding? So demanding. <sighs> it's so, uh, so needy. You, you know some people are needy. Come on. If you remember in Deuteronomy, he said you must cling to him. Part of loving him. I love you, Lord, greater than anything. I love you, Lord, more than my heart can say. I love you, Lord, more than I love myself. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Amen. I really love that song. Because it's real. It's, it's, I think it's, it resonates with me. It's saying something that my heart is saying all the time. And that's why it keeps coming out of me. It's, it's, a, it's a true expression. I'm telling you. I, I, and I want to love him so much that the world would think I'm crazy. You understand? I want to love him to a point where the world will look at me and they don't understand. What kind of... Who, who are you? Uh, if, if your love for him has not gotten to the point that people can't understand, you still have a long way to go. So that's where I want to get to. Okay? When people look at me, they say, Oh, he really loves the Lord. He loves him so much that he has lost his mind. That's right. Haven't you heard that before when they say it about people? He said, since he met this girl. <laughs> yes. Since he met her, his life. We, we, we can't figure him out anymore. That's what happened when she came into my life. <laughs> my friends were like, Eric, you're not spending time with us anymore. 
What is happening? Ah. The love bug. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, but some of us, people can't even tell that you love God. They can't. There's no, there's, there's no surrender. You, don't, you, don't, you have not given him your time. You, you come to church, you are looking at your watch. This service is too long. How can a service be? Two hours? Two whole hours? And sometimes even three hours? What kind of church is that? You know what that says? It's an indication of your love. I'm telling you. I'm not being judgmental. And don't feel bad if you feel bad when the service is long. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a question of love. I'm very honest with you. I will not lie to you. This is the truth. I want to get to a point where I love him so much that he takes over my time. Do you understand? That I give him my whole time. Yeah. There's a pastor in Nigeria. He prayed for three days, nonstop. Now, you, 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 you think you've been praying. You've been in a long prayer meeting, right? Three days on his knees. He is lost in love, man. <laughs> he has loved God so much that he lost sight of time. He lost sight of time. He is praying. He is not even feeling it anymore. He lost consciousness of his physical environment. This generation doesn't know anything like that. We don't understand loving God. I'm very honest. We don't. If you want to understand loving God, go and study the lives of the Puritans. Go into church history and look, study the lives of people and see the kind of ways that people serve God. Even without the depth of revelation that we have today. We are so spoiled with so much insight, so much knowledge, zero experience. Okay, little experience. Little. Have you ever felt his love pulling you, pulling you so much that you drop everything? And you say, I just want to be with you. Have you ever felt that? Have you come to a point, has your love relationship come to a point with him where you now surrender everything? I give my all. You see, you give. He asks you for this, you give. He asks you for this, you give. He asks you for this. Many people can't even be faithful in simple tithing. Sometimes I'm amazed when I listen to people talk in media, social media, and all of that. Why is this money issue so significant? Why? Why? 
You know that you can love him so much that if he asks for all, you give your all and you say, is that all? What else can I give? There's a place like that in your walk with God. I'm telling you. I'll never forget years ago. This happened. We were, still, we were in Cape Town. We were going through stuff, praying, fasting, trusting God for money to, you know, to take care of the little, little things. No, no means anywhere. Just standing, waiting for a miracle, praying and looking up to God. You know what? One lady, God bless her. You know what? I don't know this lady. A friend of mine, he used to support us. So at that time, every, like, every second month, he would send like um, about... 80 pounds to us as a means of support. All right? He would send that to us, and it was always a breakthrough when it came. You know that kind of situation? You know, there's a time that 100 rands is a breakthrough. Have have you ever been there? Where 100 rand is a a miracle. You can testify for 100 rands. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't been there, I've been there many times, countless times. Do you understand what I'm saying? But do you know what? This, my friend from London, was going to, was, he would, he was going to uh, send the money that day. So he went to drop his child at the child minder. And he was rushing to be able to send it before going to work. So he... In passing, just told the child minder, oh, there's this pastor we've been supporting. He's in um, South Africa working among the students, and uh, I just need to send this quickly before um, I'm late for work. The child minder heard that. She says, oh, okay, can I add something for him? She put 10 pounds. So my friend phoned to testify to say, wow, Eric, this is amazing. This lady, this lady just gave 10 pounds. And I said, oh, thank God. You know, he was excited for me. And then, unknown to him, this lady got home. um, In the evening, at the close of work, she went to visit her mom. And then she told her mom, look, uh, I sent 10 pounds to South Africa to this pastor who is working among students and all of that. And the mother said, that's the guy. She said, what are you talking about? She said, the Lord told me not to touch my salary for this month. And he says, he's going to tell me what to do with it. Yeah. No, people love God, I'm telling you. They love God enough that God can instruct them like that and they will obey. It's not common. So, listen to this. The moment the daughter said that, The Lord said, that's the person I ask you to keep that money for. So immediately, she phoned my friend and said, I don't understand what's going on. I just shared this with my mother, and this is what she said. That's how the mother sent a whole month's salary to us. Now, imagine... We were celebrating 90 pounds. (laughs) Come on. 
We were celebrating 90 pounds. And this woman sent a lump sum of money. I won't tell you how much. Because I can see you. You, you want, I can see. You want to know. testimony must be divided. <laughs> yeah. So it was years later when we visited London that I met this woman for the first time in my life. You know, people love God. Touch someone and say, people love God. It's a question of surrender. What can you give up? What can you surrender in this love relationship? Have you come to a point where he can ask you for anything? Many of us, he can't ask us yet. He's still trying to convince us about 10%. Yeah, of course. No, that's true. Trying to convince us. And then you go on the internet and some, some bloke decides to, you know, blog some things about how tithing is not for today. And you believe all that crap. They will answer to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's a question, tell your neighbor, say it's a question of surrender. How many people want to be really love God? You want to really love God and walk with God in this covenant relationship. Love covenant relationship. That's why I'm teaching you these things. Yeah. It's a question of surrender. The next thing, the next question is, is a question of devotion. Say it's a question of devotion. What are you devoted to? In fact, another way of looking at devotion is worship. <laughs> because your devotion to things can be interpreted as worship. I'm telling you. It's a question of devotion. Jesus, God has made it clear. You cannot serve him and others. You make a choice. Decide. He refused to share you with anyone. Hallelujah. It's a question of devotion. Are you devoted? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Right? The NIV says, in view of God's mercies, Romans 12, 1, in view of what? 
God's mercy. Yes, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. You know what that means? How many people know what mercy is? I've taught you, right? You know what mercy is. There's some punishment you deserve that you didn't get. That's mercy. You're supposed to die. You're supposed to be killed. But you were not killed. That's mercy. Okay? So, in view of his mercy, consider his mercy and let the mercy he has shown you stir you up to do something. So, in view of God's mercy, to what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's also the same for surrender. You surrender your body. Okay? So you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's devotion. You don't own your body, in case you don't know. He owns it. He owns it. He paid for it. You didn't pay for it. You were too broke to pay for it. Yeah. You, you, you can't afford it. You owe the debt you couldn't pay. You couldn't pay. And he decided to pay for it. And now, he says, give it to me in service. And he said, no, nah, my, my life is, it belongs to me. I can do whatever I want. I can. You don't know. That's why he was saying that. Love is a matter of devotion. It's a question of devotion. Okay. The next thing, I think time is going. Should I finish? Okay. I'll, I'll rush. I'll... <laughs> oh, are you looking at your watch? I bind every watch. <laughs> no, you love him too much. Hallelujah. You love the truth. I can tell. That's why you're in this church. You know, in this church, there are things that many people can't stand. Especially some of the things we talk about. Yeah, that's the truth. So I know you love the truth. Hallelujah. So it's a question. It's a question of extravagance. Extravagance. Yes. Okay. Extravagance. Yes. I'm Nigerian, so it's okay. I, I pronounce things the correct way. <laughs> Come on. You are not going to intimidate me. Amanda. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Do you know that there is nothing too much for him? Your love for him must be extravagant. I'm telling you. Must be. 
Learn to lavish him with your love. Learn to cast off all restraints when it comes to loving him. John chapter 12, from verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Uh-huh. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. It's amazing that a dinner can be given in honor. In honor. Okay. Just pause there and think a bit. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Okay? Then Mary took about a pint of pure... Go back to New King James. In fact, maybe we should even do the King James version. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Okay? It was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, (laughs) Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Listen to Judas. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Why all this waste? Why all this waste? Why do we waste this oil? The guy already knew the value. (laughs) He knew the value. 300 denarii. Listen, one denarii is one day's wage. That's one year's income. One year's income wasted upon Jesus. Huh? So Judas is looking, he's so irritated by this. He's so irritated by this. And it's like, why all this extravagant, in fact, not even extravagant, waste? Why this waste? Let's read on. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. Can you see? (laughs) But because he was a thief. And the money, and had the money box. He used to take what was put in it. Accountant. <laughs> okay, no. Treasurer. <laughs> huh? Treasurer Judas. Huh? But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. What she was doing was prophetic. Alright? For the poor you will have with you always. But me you do not have always. Powerful. Powerful. Jesus did not see it as a waste. And in case you don't know, Jesus was not a waster. 
Huh? He wasn't. Remember the, 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 the feeding of the 5,000. When they, when they gathered 12 baskets, Jesus says, gather the fragments that be no waste. So that's to tell you the kind of person he is. But he could see the value in what Mary did. Her love was so extravagant that she broke this bottle and poured a whole year's wage on a moment. On a moment. I'm telling you, people love God. People love God. Calculate your salary for a year. Your income for a year. Calculate it. Yeah? Quickly calculate that. And think about in one moment. Poof! You break it and just pour it. The whole room, the fragrance. The whole place. And Judas is dead. Irritated. What kind of waste is this? And that's how some religious people behave. There are people like that in church. Not here, but you know. We don't have such people here. Come on. Yeah, they're somewhere else. It's like, why do, we, why do we waste money? Why do we buy this? Why do you do this? What? You, don't, you don't know anything. Your love for him must have no limits. Amen. Hallelujah. When you want to express it, when you are, if you are inspired to do it, do it. Don't look at anybody's face. Don't look at any Judas. And I thank God for Mary. She didn't look at Judas. I'm sure his face was frowning. He was like, don't even dare. Don't you dare. Do it. Don't. She just, ah! And poured everything. My goodness, that is love. That is love. That's a kapow. So you see that love is not a feeling. It's, it's not about feelings. This thing is action, man. Hallelujah. Should I give you another question? Uh, uh, one more, okay. Or two more. One, okay. It's a question of desire. Somebody say desire. desire. It's a question of desire. This love relationship has to go deep. It has to affect our desires. In Psalm 42, verse 1, I love that song that we sing from that place. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Amen. Yeah, it's an old song, but it's a classic. As the deer. When the deer is thirsty, it doesn't matter how far he will go. He wants to quench that thirst. And you know the deer, the, the interesting thing is that the deer, 
They like to be around the water because it's also for their safety. It's for their protection. Because when they are there, you know, the, the, um, the smell of their body cannot be detected by the prey. Predator, sorry. Yes. The lion is there looking, looking. But because the deer is by the water, the water is camouflaging the smell of their body so they cannot be detected. Hallelujah. It pays to love him. There's protection in loving him. Do you understand? Your life is preserved when you desire him. When you long for him. It's a question of desire. Do you really desire God? Or do you desire the world? He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. Those are the things people are running after. You, you, don't, you don't run after things. You run after God then things run after you. Do you understand me? Yeah. So we must put things straight in our love walk. Yes. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul longs for you, O God. I love David. This guy, he really loved God. Next verse. Look, verse 2. He says, verse 2. My soul thirsts for God. Are you thirsty for Him? Does your soul thirst for God? Huh? For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Are you longing for the day? Do you know what? I can't wait. There are certain things that the Lord has told me about how my relationship with Him is going to be. And I can't wait. Honestly, I am longing for it. I want it to happen now. <laughs> yeah. I want it to happen now. But I'm longing for it. I'm yearning for it. And I'm pressing in for it. I'm so locked into it. That I can't be distracted by you. When I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you. Can you see the meaning there? Because you are gazing into him, everything else becomes a shadow. Many people are chasing shadows. Instead of chasing God. Telling you, your life will be redefined if you will apply this in your life. You will not even know when certain miracles begin to happen in your life. There are things that you don't even ask for, God will begin to do for you. I'm telling you. I'm talking from experience. It pays to love God. 
It doesn't cost anything. Even, do you know that to Mary, that was not costly? A year's wage. It wasn't costly. Anything for love. Do you know that if you really love somebody, there are things that will be difficult for other people to do. But when you do, to you it's not a sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Certain things are still a sacrifice because of where we are. In our walk with God. I'm telling you before God. It will get to a point where what you, when you give everything to Him, it's still not a sacrifice. It's still not a sacrifice. Huh? What do you desire? What are you pursuing? What is before you? What's the object of your pursuit? What are you chasing? I think it would be insane for anyone to be chasing a shadow. Huh? Have you ever seen someone? Trying to chase a shadow? It's madness. Yeah. It's not okay. Don't do it. Amen? Amen. I think I'll stop with this. It's a question of obedience. Say obedience. John chapter 14, verse 21. Today is a teaching service, so it's all right. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Can you see? Love is about obedience. If he has my commandments and he keeps them, it's proof that he loves me. It's a question of obedience. You cannot say, I love God, and you are disobeying him on a consistent basis. He's trying to get your attention. You are just busy with other things. He's telling you, do this. You say, no, I prefer this. He says, go this way. I prefer this way. Huh? Give me this. No, I'll give you this. That's not love. That's not love. Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Why? Because he gave in faith. But not only that, do you know that I believe that it is God that taught them to offer up sacrifices. Remember after Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal and used the blood to cover them. The, the, skin, the, the skin of the animal. Of course, they saw blood shed. So God taught them how to atone. Now Abel comes and he offers according to God's instruction. Cain, no. Why should I do it your way? And I do as I like. You have to take me as I am. This is my offering. I do it the way I want. Huh? Why should why 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 should you dictate to me? Am, am I do <laughs> Why should you detect my offering? I detect what I want to give and how I want to give it. What are you talking about? I have a right. And then Abel is busy following, obeying, obeying and giving the way God says it should be done. And Cain, 
is upset because God didn't accept his own, but he accepted the brothers. God even comes to him and says, Cain, why are you so angry? Huh? Why? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He said, sin is lying at the door. He's crouching at your door. His desire is for you. But you are supposed to master it. You do what is right. Cain was too proud to obey God. I'll do what I want. Nobody tells me what to do. Okay, suit yourself. And before you know it, sin was able to enter him. And then, Cain killed his brother. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So Abel loved God because he kept it. Cain didn't. He was inside emotional about the whole thing. Hmm? And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Should we read on? Okay, let's read on. We'll finish now. It says, <laughs> And Judas, not Iscariot, right, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. How many people love the Lord? Will you keep his word? Hallelujah, I believe that. He will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will do what? Come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus will come and stay in your house. Wouldn't you like that? Hmm? Friends visit each other, right? So, there's a level in our relationship with God. And I believe that the reason for this love covenant is because God is trying to upgrade our walk with Him. To come to a point of friendship. You're not just doing things like Martha. Just serving, 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 serving. Jesus, tell Mary to come and help me. She was serving not out of love, but out of duty. Next verse, verse 24. He who does not love me does not do what? Keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but my father's who sent me. So he says, he who does not keep my word does not love me doesn't. It doesn't matter the gymnastics, the emotional gymnastics and the spiritual gymnastics and the religious gymnastics. All of that is not love. If there is no obedience, it's a question of obedience. Hallelujah. Let's stand up on our feet. Come on. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www dot every nation midrand dot org